going to have two passages. The first passage we're going to look at is Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And then we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. A very familiar passage. Getting organized here. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, a church that he and others planted, and he's encouraging them. Now, this is well-traveled ground for Bethel Baptist Church and certainly for the last several months, but the first portion of our message today, we're going to talk about lessons learned from yesterday, or at least lessons that need to be learned. And so I want to start with this passage, and then we'll launch into those four lessons. And then I want to share some good news with you, and then I want to leave a challenge with you. Y'all know that as people file through after the service, it's sometime a, you know, it's hard to take in everything that is being asked and said and all that. So I had Denise over here on my left in front of the sound booth, and I had a lady coming through and then another lady coming this direction. So this lady first says, wow, that was a lot of challenges, Brother Ben. To that, Denise says, oh, no, because <laughs> it's coming in second service. To that, the other lady goes, what? Oh, I had to explain three times, you know, uh, and that's okay. That was fun. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Now, you know that any time the Bible says, therefore, you're supposed to go back and look what it's there for. So all through chapter 1, Paul is talking about consolation in Christ. He's talking about the comfort of Christ. He's talking about the fellowship of the Spirit. And then he says this word, if any bowels and mercies. You see, in this day when the Scripture was written, they didn't say to the bottom of my heart. When you and I, 2024, we want to really get something across, we'll say from the bottom of my heart. At least the older people, you know, younger people, I don't know what you say, but that's what we're trying to get across. Well, they didn't say that in the Bible days. They said, the bottom of my bowels. And so Paul is trying to express from the bottom of his heart, he's encouraging the folks at Philippi. Then he says in verse 2, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He's telling the church at Philippi to do these things. Now, we know that this is an inspired word of God, so he's also telling Bethel Baptist Church to fulfill this writer's joy, ultimately God's joy, that we would understand the consolation of Christ. What, what has the cross of Christ done for you and I? That we would understand the comfort of love from God, that we would understand the fellowship that we get from the Spirit of God. And then he says that you be like-minded, having the same love that Jesus had, being of one accord with one another, of one mind. And then he, he gives you an example. Verse 3, 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word. Change us to look more like you. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. So again, really honestly, in review, Dr. Hook's book on the core principle. What is the core principle? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. So you're never more like God than when you're loving other people the way God wants you to love them. Well, y'all know with math, you got to keep it real simple. So for me, God's number one. Others are number two. Where does that put you and I? Third place. This is how you practice third place. I can't remember what month it was in 2023 when this came to me that this is a way to practice the core principle is to keep myself in third place. This passage came to mind because as far as I'm concerned, this is the hardest passage for Brother Ben to live out on a daily basis, to put other people's concerns and needs over my own. I know y'all don't struggle with that at all, but your preacher does, so pray for him. That was supposed to be funny. Now, see, the reality is, is I live in the same flesh that you do, so I know you struggle too. We all struggle with this challenge. That's why the scripture is so clear in how we are to do it. You say, Brother Ben, you don't know my neighbors. Trust me. I don't have to because we know each other. And we can be difficult at times. So if we can be difficult, we know our neighbors can be difficult. Watch this. That's why you got to start with number one, love God. Because as you love God and you keep your mind and your heart and your soul on the sacrifice that God did because he's worthy, then he keeps our heart and mind tender towards those that we're supposed to love. He steps in and loves them through us. He loves them in ways that we would never think of. And he gives us those ideas. And so it's so important, like in a day like yesterday, when you get a text at 7 a.m., bad news. Hayden had a gun accident. And he lost his life. I mean, that was it. That was the text in so many words. And my first response was, of course, I told Dawn, 7 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, we're still in bed. We're having our quiet time. And we're devastated. We love Hayden. That, that's present tense. Hayden is still alive. Just an eternal sense now. You see, we're eternal beings. That's one of the things I love about Brad when he shares the gospel at VBS, he gets that across. We are eternal beings. We were created as eternal beings. We are still eternal beings. You're going to live for eternity somewhere. And so, I, after Dawn and I, you know, talked, prayed a little bit, I shot back a text and said, Bruce, I just want to know where you're at. Do you, do you need us to come now? Do you need space? You know, where you're at. And he said, give us a couple hours. I said, Absolutely. So we went about 11 o'clock or so. Didn't get to see Bruce. Long story there. But, but we went. Why? Because we had to. Church, 
how hypocritical would it be for the preacher to tell you to love your neighbors, and I'm not going to go to my neighbor. I mean, this guy is my neighbor, has been a neighbor to this church for almost as long as this church has been in existence. And so we got to practice what we preach. And we may have more opportunity. I don't know. Arrangements have not been made, and it's whatever the family wants. We'll serve them in whatever capacity that we need to. But in this effort to be in third place, there's some lessons that I learned from Hayden's homegoing. Lesson number one, are you ready? Church, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tonight. Are you ready? One of my greatest fears is that someone has ever come under the sound of my voice preaching, and they didn't, I didn't preach the gospel or they didn't hear the gospel, and then that's on me. Church, I try my dead-level best to make sure, even if it's just mentioning Romans 10.9, that every time I preach, I preach the gospel. Now, I firmly believe, and they taught me this in preacher school at Central Baptist College, that if you've got 5% of your congregation coming that are lost, you need to preach 5% of your message, and then the rest of the message needs to be to the saved. A amen. I agree with that, and I strive to do that. But still, that 5% doesn't mean that it's not 100% to somebody. And so if you're under the sound of my voice and you have never, ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to have an invitation in just a few moments. And that's your opportunity to come forward. We'll send you someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel. But we're just going to cover it. We're actually going to cover it twice. You'll understand it better by and by. But when I was five years old, I prayed a prayer similar to this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve eternal punishment. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. So I ask him to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and to be my savior. Church, that settles it. And, and we can argue from there whether or not a person and how they're saved. Romans 10.9 says essentially, just like that prayer was, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm hoping and praying that this preacher quotes that verse so much that you'll have it memorized in a few months type thing, just from hearing me quote it. Because that's the gospel, unadulterated. It's not... Did you get baptized? I could care less at this point. That's later in the message. <laughs> I could care less. In fact, it's the next point of this message. But as far as going to heaven, baptism has nothing to do with it. So if you're trusting in your baptism, you're not in good shape. If you're trusting in church attendance, you're not in good shape. If you're trusting on the heritage of your Christian family, you're not in good shape. You have to do business with God for your sin. And Today's a great day to get it settled. So lesson number one is that we must be ready. Well, after you're saved, you need to be baptized. The Lord has blessed us as a church with baptisms. I think we got room for more. And I think we have people attending <laughs> that probably need to take that step. And I'm not trying to get on to anybody. I'm loving you enough to tell you the truth. 
So if you have not been scripturally baptized, I'm begging you, make that decision today. Disciple, this is the ongoing effort of this church, to disciple every person under the sound of this preacher's voice. That is getting in, that is getting under the spout where the glory comes out. This is following Christ. you got to start with salvation. The first step of obedience is baptism, and then you need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to read your Bible. You need to learn how to share your faith. You need to learn how to stand for your faith. You need to learn that you got a gift at salvation. That's called a spiritual gift. You need to be using that spiritual gift in service. That is discipleship. You need to give yourself to this church in discipleship. If you're not a part of a small group, we need you to get a part, to be a part of a small group. We've got tons of them, and they're good. Whether it's CR, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's Awana, we've got opportunities. And then reproduce church And again, I know to a a level that it's happening, but we need it to happen throughout our ranks. We need to reproduce ourselves into other people that are saved, baptized, discipled, and reproducing. That was lesson number one. Lesson number two, we must do everything we can to make sure those within our sphere of influence are ready. I'm not here to talk about Hayden. But that situation yesterday brought Dawn and I to our knees. Folks, the people within your sphere of influence, when they have their home going, if it's before yours, you're going to do what Dawn and I did yesterday morning. Did we do enough? Could we have done more? Should we have done this? And we wrestled with that, and we went through that, and we prayed through that. And those are some painful things, but they are important. Church, if we do not take the people within our sphere of influence as our responsibility, then who is? Who's going to take them as their responsibility to make sure that they know how to get to heaven? Brother Ben, they won't listen. It's okay. Say it anyway. Awkward is awesome. And and there's literally hundreds of ways to get this across without you being offensive, pushy, or otherwise. You just got to ask God to show you how to do it. Come ask this preacher how to do it. Talk to your Sunday school teacher how to do it. Whatever the case may be, you can include it in a Christmas card. You can write your testimony out. Put it online. Ask them to check it out. I mean, in 2024, the sky's the limit on ways that we can share the gospel to our sphere of influence. We must do everything we can to make sure those within our sphere of influence are ready. Number three, we must have a strategy or we're pretending. We must have a strategy to get this word out to our sphere or we're pretending. It's kind of been a new phase in the last three to four years in counseling. Are you pretending or are you living in Reelsville? So if you're in agreements, agreeance with me that we should do everything within our power to make sure that those within our sphere of influence know whether or not they're going to heaven before they die, then I would lovingly ask, so show me your plan. What's your strategy to get this done? And church, here's where I'm begging you. The BAMO assessment and the Bethel approach, will it'll do it for you. You just got to do it. You got to put these things into practice. Now, again, we're doing that. 112 people assessed. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. More, more on that's coming soon. And 
So it's so important that we now follow through with those things. The strategy to reach the people within our sphere of influence, the fourth lesson. Or actually, that was four. Okay. You know what? I had three lessons. There we go. Had three lessons. Sorry. Kenny knows I can't do math even in points and messages. I've got good news. First of all, this week, in a lot of ways, uh, the deacons, Sunday school teachers, CR leaders, Awana leaders, I've watched them all this week in some way, shape, form, or fashion, knocking it out of the park for the gospel and for the church, trying to, to love people, whether it's working in Awana, whether it's working in CR, whether it's Friday night, uh, Daryl and Kelly and Craig and uh, Carolyn and many, many others, Brad and Shannon working with the youth and such, uh, knocking it out of the park at, at movie night. Now, Craig, I've given you a title. Yeah, Food Pusher. Yeah, because, boy, I mean, he's pushing that popcorn like crazy. <laughs> That's it. Just trying to be nice. Amen. So uh, i got to get my brain going here. Um, also, Bethel Radio Hour, John Yerke, Ryan, uh, what's your last name, Ryan? Mayberry, uh, Molly Kingston, uh, and myself. But Ryan and John and Molly knocked it out of the park. BethelLondale.com. Please listen to BRH this week, meaning Wednesdays. Listen to it this week. It's posted. It's ready to go. Don't look it up right now. But it, it's good stuff. You need to hear what these men and, and Molly said. It's good stuff. They're knocking it out of the park. Now, this is some good news, again, that you can't know unless I tell you. Uh, our missionary has been trying to start a plant in Overland, Missouri. He lives in Granite City. That's a 45-minute drive one way if the traffic's good. Now, this is the greater St. Louis area. We hired him to be a missionary to St. Louis. So he's humbly asked, could he change his home base from Overland to where he lives, Granite City? And I met with the bosses uh, Friday, and that all went well. And I'm going to meet with bosses tomorrow night. I expect that to all go well. But uh, a few months previous, uh, let, let me tell you this before I tell you that, uh, we went, Brother Larry Barker and I went to Juan's house. He's a missionary to the Hispanics in this area. And he's got a garage that he wants to turn into a Bible study area. Needs a little work. All right. Day before that, uh, I'm sitting in a tree stand with a person that attends this church. It's None of your business beyond that. Uh, and the question is asked, Brother Ben, do you know a place for some money to go for missions? Because he knows I'm the director of missions in Missouri for our work. Now, y'all know that I, Brother Ben tries to be the most spiritual guy that I can be. I really do. I really do. Hopefully my wife is my witness. I try to be the most spiritual. But when a subject like this comes up, I got a little nosy. And I said, can I have a figure? He gave me the figure. Hallelujah. And I was excited. Now watch this. We ought to get excited about $1 given to God for his glory. So not trying to play that game. I'm just telling you, the Lord had blessed him and her, meaning the family, and now they're wanting to bless back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. That's how it works. Amen, church? That's how it works. So I've been holding on to this for about three months. Brother Juan didn't even know. So when we were at the meeting of bosses, and they all said, yeah, this sounds great. I said, well, good news, Brother Juan. 
we've already got this amount of money ready to go to rehab your garage. He was thrilled. And everybody there was thrilled. I, I'm thrilled. Now, it might make or take more money than what we've got right here right now, but God will provide that too. I know he will. He provided that other before we even knew he had the need. Because when he asked me, I said, I'm going to meet with a missionary. I'll find out tomorrow if we've got a need. And I'm sitting in that garage looking around. Yeah, we need some drywall. We need this, that, and the other. And I'm like, hmm, I got a good answer for so-and-so, you know. And, and so, church, the Lord is moving. The Lord is blessing. So, I want to end today's message with Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you would, please, ter- please turn there. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14. Now, I did something that I've never done before, but I've always been, my interest has always been piqued as to what this might have looked like. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Look at verse 5. Before we stand up, I want you to look at verse 5 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Now, Solomon has built his temple for the Lord. The Lord wanted Solomon to build it. He gave Solomon permission to build it. And so Solomon built a temple for the Lord that was beyond the imagination, filled with gold and silver and the such. It was an ornate house of God and this temple represented the spirit of God dwelling amongst Israel in the Old Testament that's how God dwelt with his people in a temple or a tent hallelujah praise the lamb God now dwells within this temple your temple and the such so every person man woman boy and girl that prays to receive Christ God indwells that tent or temple that's so much more of a personal relationship and I praise him that he desired that and wants that but I want you to get in your heart and mind the solemnity of dedicating this temple and killing 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep I did the figures this is just a rough guesstimate that's 310 thousand gallons of blood that's half of an olympic sized pool that's what ran down the streets that day when they dedicated the temple brother ben why would god ever ask for that watch this not one gallon of that blood could compare to what christ did for you and i but it was done To represent the weightiness, again, the solemnity of Christ's sacrifice for you and I. I'm telling you, church, there wasn't an Israeli there that didn't understand the weightiness of this temple and the cost of the blood of his son someday for yours and my sin. And so then Solomon asks God to bless him and his people. And this is God's response. Let's stand again for the reading and reverence of God's holy word.
2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 12. Verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Father, we ask you again to change us to look more like you as a result of the preaching of your word and as a result of your word. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm not doing this to, to float anybody's head. I'm not doing this to float anybody's ego. I'm just telling you that I've noticed that there's uh, two ladies up here close that have been taking notes, and I felt sorry for them because this is what I'm fixing to run through. But I'm going to run through it, and there ain't no way you can keep up. So there you go. All right, if any else of you want these notes, they're yours. I've got eight more copies today. I can get more copies, uh, but here we go. This is breaking this down. If my people, church, listen to me. If we get a hold of this, we're going to have revival, I guarantee you. The issues that are going on in the United States of America and this world, they are not Joe Biden's problems. They are not Donald Trump's problems. They are our problems. Everything wrong with the United States of America, God lovingly puts at our feet. If my people. So we've got to own the sins of this nation. We're not necessarily participating in all of them. We know that. But the reality is, is that God is not going to work with a lost person until he comes to Jesus. He can work through him. Look at what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. He can work through him, but he's not going to do business with a lost person until that lost person repents of their sin. Because the Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, he can't hear you. He chooses not to hear you. But he does the same with the Christian. If the Christian is hiding sin, he's not going to do business with you. So if my people, this is our problem. Church, we are his people. He loves us with everything he has. You don't have to worry about him turning his back on you. You don't have to worry about him rejecting you. But you do have to get right with him. At the very least, it is ours to fix. These problems are ours to fix. So we start here again. I told you, you're going to hear it twice. Are you saved? We've got to make sure that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. I didn't ask you if you were baptized. I didn't ask you if you love God. I didn't ask you if you believe. Have you admitted to him that he's right and you're wrong? You and I are sinners. We deserve eternal punishment. We are lost and undone. Christ loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. He lived a sinless life. He died a horrible death. He was buried, but he rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that will place their faith in that finished work in Jesus Christ, will have salvation. So, if my people, which are called, church, whoo, and this isn't nothing new. This is, you've heard it. You've heard it over and over, but i got to ask you, what are we doing about it? We have a purpose, church. We have a purpose, 
It is God's purpose. His purpose and ours is one. It's not, hey, Lord, I'll see you on Sunday, but I got a ton of stuff to do this week. That's not how it works. If you and I are children of God, and if we want the power of God, we've got to make his kingdom our purpose. His purpose and ours is one. Whose kingdom, church, are you living for? Whose kingdom are you living for? Do you understand a Christian worldview? Do you have a Christian worldview? How can two walk together lest they be agreed? The 10 million year perspective. Church, in 10 million years in heaven, it's not going to matter anything about this week. The AFC championship, the NFC championship. But what is going to matter is are the players on those teams saved? If they're not saved, that trophy will be long gone by that time. What did you and everyone else do with Christ? Are we on mission with God? Boy, that, that movie, Friday night, I joked with the first service. I'll joke with you guys. That's cruel and unusual punishment to make a preacher sit through that and then not let him preach. Land sakes, but, but I, I appreciate it. I, I, don't let me preach. That, that, just let it soak. And I told Don, I said, Sunday's coming. <laughs> I, I'll get my opportunity. But my goodness, the Lord used that movie in my own life. If my people, which are called by my name. Church, this is not just a word. Jesus, so much more than those letters. It's his character. It's his holiness. Church, what defines you and I? Man, I'm in a lot of stuff. But I don't want any of that to define me. I want my love for Jesus to define me. When you talk about me, I'm glad and fine if you include all the hobbies, but I want you to take the shortest road to the cross of Christ when you talk about me. And I hope and pray that my life makes it that you can. We're almost done. Church, it's not about the economy. It's not about being accepted. It's not about being tolerant. It's not about material possessions. It's about holiness, identifying with God, and bringing glory to God. Then you and I are going to strive to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now, church, we've got to be a part of the world, but we're not to be of the world. Now, if your friends are influencing you more than you're influencing them, the Bible says to separate yourself. But you and I should get to a place that we can, unless it's just a, you know, a godless situation, we can be anywhere they are and stand for Christ and do the right thing. You know, the... Popular statement right now within our politics is we need to compromise. I'm telling you right now, we do not need to compromise. For me, there is no compromise on abortion. There is no compromise on, quote, unquote, an alternative lifestyle. You and I need to win with the Christian world view. We need to win with our love for these people. We need to win with forgiveness. We need to win with acceptance. Again, I'm reminded of Joyce's line a few years ago. We need to win with being willing to step in other people's mess 
and help them where they're at. How about this one? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble. Church, I'm almost done. But are you? Is there something that you need to humble yourself before God? You need to own it. Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. Confess it. We're not going to get further. We're not going to move forward unless we confess our sins. Pray, he says. Ask God to reveal your sin. Seek my favor on your life, God says. Now, this is one of the neatest things for me. Brad has brought this up in the past. When the disciples wanted to learn how to pray, you know what they did? They prayed. They said, I can show you the quote, Lord, teach us to pray. That's a prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Church, you're not ever going to learn how to pray until you pray. And then this next one, seek my face. You're never going to learn how to seek the face of the Lord until you seek his face. Well, I just don't know how. Try it. Just try it. You can't really do it wrong. Seek his face. Stop. Push everything aside and get along with him and seek his face. Church, God died to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. You and I have got to make sure that we make time for that and then turn from their wicked ways. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a young preacher, I used to thought wicked. That's those folks over there. It's not me. And then I went to uh, class, and they taught me what the word wicked means in the Old Testament. Did you know that the word wicked means disobeying God? That's it. When you and I disobey God, that is wickedness to God. All of a sudden, all of us are in the boat because we struggle on a daily basis. And if you and I will do serious business with God this morning, God will do serious business with us. There are people, not just the Brants and the Blues, all throughout our community hurting. And they need love. They need forgiveness. They need acceptance. They need help. And we're just the people to do it. And I know God will use us for his glory. Will you stand, musicians? Will you come? I shared with the first service, I know that the last two Sundays, these have been disjointed messages. They have not necessarily been a smooth transition point to point. And this is just this season right now with everything that is going on and happening. But I'm asking you, I'm begging you to listen to what is being said. What has the Holy Spirit placed his finger on? I'm not going to go in great detail because it would sound like I'm patting myself on the back and By God's grace, I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you, I have sought the Lord in specific ways for him to move in these services. So now I'm asking you, what has he said to you? What has he put his finger on? What name has he brought to mind? What action has he brought to mind? What sin has he brought to mind? Whatever the case may be, let's do business with God. Let's see. 